Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to a special one-hour Martin Luther King Day edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. We're going to continue to roll right along. Uh, very pleased to be joined by my good friend Scott Rasmussen, national pollster and political analyst, uh, one of the smartest guys I know. And uh, Scott, thanks for joining us on Martin Luther King Day. Well, Boyd, it's uh, it's a great day to reflect on on a man who truly is a great American. His "I Have a Dream" speech uh, is one of the the best definitions of the American dream we've ever had. It's up there with the Declaration of Independence and the and the Gettysburg Address in terms of defining who we want to be as a nation. Uh, it's so important. And uh, you and I were were texting over the weekend. You wrote a, a brilliant column, really looking at. Uh, the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and what his vision was for a great nation and talking about the great tension uh, that started at our founding, but something that shouldn't be discounted, but uh, really preserved and and celebrated. Yeah, you know, it's uh, first of all, I think it's important to recognize that Dr. King was not uh, Pollyannish when he talked of America being a great nation. He recognized, obviously, far more than you and I can ever imagine the how far short we were falling of our national ideals. I mean, he himself had been the the victim of brutality and violence, and he was speaking to an audience of a quarter of a million protesters, many of whom had also experienced, uh, you know, the, the, the horror of institutionalized racism. But amidst all that, he talked about his dream and how it was rooted in the American dream. And today, we remember parts of it, you know, his his dream of his children being judged by the content of their character, uh, but not the color of their skin, or young, the, the children of slaveholders and slaves themselves being able to come together. What has happened, unfortunately, in today's world is that some people would be a little offended that Dr. King wanted to remedy those problems by looking back to our founding documents. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, a slave owner wrote the Declaration of Independence. Why, you know, why should we pay attention to that? Um, and the reality is King understood there, was a, there were two great strands of American history. One was positive. That was our history of self-governance and a commitment to freedom and individual liberty and equality. The other side was horrible. It was the institutionalized racism part. But both of those are part of our history. And, you know, our challenge today, like the challenge in King's time, is to lift up the noble vision and let's put an end to that other tragic vision. Uh, I think that's so important, especially on a day like today, because we, we do, as you said, have those those two strands, one positive, one negative, uh, and, and helping people to recognize that there, there was that natural 
that natural tension. It was uh, as if we were not in alignment. We proclaimed some ideals, but our behavior was uh, was nowhere near uh, living up to those. And Dr. King uh, saw those as important elements, and bringing them into alignment was really the goal of every American. Yes, and 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 what he defined as making America great was living up to those ideals. When our creed that we were all created equal. Uh, would truly be celebrated and a reality in America. Uh, so living up to the ideals was important. And it's, it's, it's also important to look back, as you know, we've, I've been reading through the Federalist Papers. Uh, you see a lot of these hints at idealism, hints that the nation will be something that it's not yet. Uh, Alexander Hamilton actually wrote in, in phrasing that would shock many readers today that uh, Europeans had oppressed the rest of the world. Uh, that they oppressed America and Africa and Asia, and they did it by force and by fraud. And he saw it as America's role to teach a lesson to those arrogant Europeans uh, because he saw us as the liberators, kind of the same role that Dr. King was leading his movement through. Uh, And what I think Dr. King showed us is we need to learn that lesson ourselves first. We really need to live out that creed. That's what makes America a great nation. The fact that we've never been perfect at it and never will be perfect at it does not detract from the ideals or from our efforts to get there. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have uh, pollster and uh, political analyst Scott uh, Rasmussen joining us on the line today. A brilliant piece on Deseret.com talking about uh, the vision of Martin Luther King Jr. and how that ties into the founding of the nation. And I wanted to bring up one point. You've talked about this for several years now, Scott, and, and it's one that I think uh, just can't be repeated often enough. And that is this idea that uh, it's not the politicians that really move the nation. It's it's the people and it's the culture. And, and Dr. King was, was part of that. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, you know, when we talk about the founding ideals, it's not that uh, Thomas Jefferson sat down and thought up some eloquent words or that a bunch of guys in powdered wigs thought up these brilliant things. These founding ideals were, were just a part of the American experience. Uh, it was passed on you know, t- in reading rooms. It was part of what it meant to be an American before our country was even formally founded. And that was the culture that led to the U.S. seeking independence from Britain. It was the culture that led to the writings of Thomas Jefferson. Uh, These deep core beliefs that are experienced by people drive things forward. And, you know, I didn't have room in in a column today, but the power of those ideas, when those ideals begin to get lived out, uh, takes surprising forms. Within five or six years of Thomas Jefferson, again, a slaveholder writing the Declaration of Independence, the Massachusetts State Supreme Court, declared slavery uh, illegal in Massachusetts. Why? Because of the words of the Declaration. Shortly after that, New York Governor John Jay signed a law outlawing slavery in New York. So these words had power. These ideas had power. Unfortunately, it took us uh, a long time and a tragic civil war before we could end slavery. And it took it's, uh, I guess, a lot longer in a process that's still ongoing to reach a state where we can begin to approach Dr. King's vision. Uh, fantastic. And, Scott, final question for you today on this Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Day. Uh, we always ask the therefore what question. As you look out at the, the country today, what's the one thing we all ought to be thinking about? What, do we ought to, what should we be doing today to really honor uh, the memory and the vision of Martin Luther King? You know, I don't think there's anything you can do on any one day to uh, 
to honor the vision of Dr. King. It's something you have to do every day. Uh, and that is to really recognize that we do have both these positive and negative traditions in America, to face clearly the problems without exaggerating them, but face clearly the problems we still have in our society, then to look up to a higher goal, to a more noble tradition, and, and, what can, and ask, what can I do to get from here to there? How can I help in my community and the way I treat people and the way I respect people, especially people who don't agree with me or don't look like me or don't sound like me? What can I do to help them to experience Dr. King's vision? Oh, fantastic. Scott, thanks so much for taking some time with us on this special Martin Luther King edition of Inside Sources today. Always appreciate your insight. Thanks, Boyd. All right. Again, that's uh, Scott Rasmussen joining us. His piece, uh, What Was Martin Luther King Jr.'s Vision of a Great Nation? Worth a read today or any day uh, on Deseret.com. So stay with us there. All right. Uh, we mentioned earlier that we would be joined at the bottom of the hour by uh, Reverend Amos Brown, a famous civil rights leader, one of the last people trained by Martin Luther King before he was assassinated. Uh, we will have the great privilege coming up here shortly to speak with him live from San Francisco, uh, where he is the pastor of the historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco. Uh, He has extraordinary insight. Will give us some great things to think about as it relates to Martin Luther King Jr. Day. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour break. Again, stay with us. You don't want to miss this next segment. Reverend Amos Brown will tell us uh, his memories of Dr. Martin Luther King right here on KSL News Radio.